Welcome back in to the Card Chronicle podcast. Not an spot here tonight, but uh, we are going to talk about the Florida State game just to kind of get it out of the way. I know a lot of you guys out there were looking for something to listen to late night to just kind of sulk to, to commiserate with. And so we're here to provide that uh, for you. Mike Rutherford, Danny Sennard. I, Dan, for like an hour and 10 minutes tonight, the first 25 minutes of the game, I thought we were going to have a really fun podcast. I thought we were going to have a fun emergency podcast. And then it flipped. It wasn't quite as dramatic as the 2013 Big East Championship game. But, man, like I, I can't remember a game that flipped as quickly and as completely as this one did. Florida State wins 82-67. You never would have guessed that Louisville led by 12 in the second half. I guess just give me your, your overall first impression from last night uh, from the, from tonight. How significant is this? Well, I, I think – Last time we after our first loss, we talked about how we don't like to come and do like a emergency podcast after a loss because we're just fuming. But I think I, I'm sort of shell shocked still um, at what just transpired those last 15 minutes. And you know, as much as I want to say, you know, we got soft with the ball or you know we didn't execute on offense, that was one of the best. 15-minute performances by a team I think I've ever seen play against Louisville. Um, So I got to give credit to Florida State. That was just an absolute ass-kicking those last 15 minutes. Is it worrisome? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, the the most worrisome thing for me is Malik's health right now. Um, But we obviously have some deficiencies um, that got taken advantage of this game. So that's probably the thing I'm I'm worried about most going forward. Yeah, I guess the one saving grace from tonight is when you lose Malik Williams early in the game, and I mean, he comes back out, he's crying on the bench, he's got the boot for the, the rest of the game. It looks like he's, I mean, you're thinking the worst at that point in time. Chris Mack did say immediately after the game that they um, they ran some tests. It's just a sprain. He thinks he's going to be okay. He said he could even play. As, you know, we have six days off now to think about this one. But he says he could play as early as Sunday against Virginia Tech. So that was good. But not like at first, I, I saw the tears on the bench and I kind of thought, well, he had to have gotten some prognosis. He had to have, you know, maybe he felt something pop. I don't know. But when you see a kid react like that, you just assume that it's a long term injury. I think the reality was he was just pissed that he knew he wasn't going to be able to play the game. Like, like, I think he has put so much into these last few weeks. He has become really like the vocal leader on this team. And he's been playing the best basketball of his life these last couple of weeks. I think he was fully geared up for this game, and I think the fact that he had to sit there and watch it for the next two hours, I think that's where that emotion came from. I think he was just caught up in the moment. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think he knew kind of how well he's been playing, and when things are clicking like that, um, you know, it's 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 hard to have to sit out and, and watch other people try to perform your job, and, you know, with such a, you know, all eyes on – you know, this game tonight, I'm sure he was ready to show out and for that to happen and just really unfortunate. But I mean, it just shows you, I mean, you don't, we know that he was the one that kind of gave like the, the speech to the team and the players only meeting. You don't really get to see that side of, of, of our players too often. It's, it's, it's cool to see how much like someone like him actually cares. Um, and I, I really do. I, I'm hoping that, it's not a super, you know, like a high ankle sprain or anything like that. And I hope he can get back quickly because we definitely are going to need him. The weird thing about Malik being out was it, it 
it forced Louisville to play. Obviously, Stephen Enoch got more minutes than he probably would have otherwise. Uh, played 24 minutes, and he was he was okay. Did some stuff on offense. He gets he's just he has not improved enough defensively, or as much as we'd like to defensively. And he also gets really fatigued. I feel like you know he made such a point to talk about in the off season that he needed to improve his conditioning because that was the one that was the biggest takeaway when he put his name in the draft and tested the waters um, last spring, last summer. He said he was going to really improve his conditioning. He still, I mean, he gets so winded after three or four trips up and down the floor. Um, he was not a guy you could play 35 minutes, even with Malik Williams unavailable tonight and Aiden Nagayon unavailable tonight. So Louisville went with that small lineup for long stretches early in the game. And it actually, I, like, Florida State looked like they had no idea how to defend it. When you had uh, Dwayne Sutton playing the five, they scooted uh, Jordan Wara down to the four. And a lot of times they were playing three guards out there. And then um, Leonard Hamilton said after the game, they made the move to just start switching one through five, and Louisville never really, never really got into the flow offensively in the second half. I mean, that you said it. That was as good a half as I can remember just about anybody playing against Louisville outside of maybe the, the Duke comeback last year. But they just like Louisville couldn't get into its offense, even when they were scoring early in the early in the second half. Those first five minutes, it felt like it was a whole bunch of guys just dribbling for 20 seconds. And then, you know, Fresh Kimball would make a crazy shot or David Johnson would make a crazy shot. It wasn't like they were getting stuff out of their action. It was, they looked confused. I mean, they, we came out the very first possession and it, like whatever we were trying to run, Florida state was fully prepared for it. And we couldn't even make the first pass to initiate the set. Fresh Kimball just lobbed it up and it got stolen. And then we had the same thing happen the second possession. And I think that was my first kind of, Oh shit moment was like, we may yeah. be, we, we may be really in for it. even at halftime. I'll, I'll say this too. I, I felt way more uncomfortable with that lead than I did like the Duke game, just because it felt like we had, pl- I thought we played tremendous defense in the first half and they were still making shots. Like MJ Walker was still hitting contested jumpers. Trent Forrest was still making tough runners in the lane. They were still like Devin Vassell was, was making that little step back jumper that he hit so well. Like I, I felt like we gave them, our best shot in the first 20 minutes, and we were still only up by eight. I was definitely really nervous going into the second half. Knew it was going to take a monster effort, and we just did not have that monster effort. Yeah, and I know Ryan and Jordan, they, they, they hit shots, and they played well in the first half, and a lot of times you can get away with that, you know, shooting that well just for one half and hold on to win the game. But I've no, if, if Ryan has an off night, um, it, it, it's okay if, if Jordan picks up the slack and vice versa. If they're both not hitting shots, we that's when we really struggle. Um, and I'm not putting on those guys. You know, our our guards were starting the offense from half court and you know not even getting in like our you know any of our playmakers' hands. They they basically dribbled the air out of the ball pretty much every possession in the second half. Um, I'm I'm really jealous of Florida State's defense. Like. I would love to have a team like that that is like that long at the guard position and presses, you know, all game long. I mean, by the end of the game, our guards looked like they did not want to be like even on the floor. And quite frankly, I don't blame them. It was just they just absolutely dogged us up and down the floor. And then, I mean, the last three minutes just I mean. They just absolutely I mean, some of those dunks, obviously, and I don't fault Jordan like I know. People are going to give him shit for being on that poster. I, I'm actually kind of glad he went up and, and tried to contest that. It sucks that that happened. Yeah, but, me too. You know, I, I I want our guys to contest those shots. And, um, you know, so for anyone that's giving him shit on Twitter, I think that's kind of bullshit. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, just Florida State's the real deal. I mean, it's a bad matchup for us. That's it's pretty much where I stand on it. Yeah, that Jordan played it. That's one of those things that I really hope Chris Mack points it out during the film session and applauds it because, I mean, Jordan could have easily just sat it, sat it out and said, you know, I'm going to make a business decision. The game's already over. Nothing good can come out of this. And he at least tried to block the shot, which was refreshing. Uh, didn't turn out great. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that, that was that was bad. But, I mean, the weird thing about this game is Louisville's up by 12 with, what, like 16 minutes to go? And then at the nine-minute mark of that same half, just seven minutes of game time later, it, it felt like they were already defeated. Like, you could just tell our guys knew that we had taken their best shot and we had no punch back. Like, the 20-3 to run just killed it. I mean, all the momentum was there. We weren't getting anything besides David Johnson just – going one-on-one and, and making shots over smaller guards that were trying to check him. That was that was it. Like the, the game was over. And I will say, even though I was talking about we couldn't really get into our offense, we weren't drawing up plays, when when Florida State took the lead, we had two we had back-to-back possessions coming out of timeouts. The second one, we had to use our last timeout. And Chris Mack drew up, I think, the same exact play, just on different sides. One side, it was for Ryan McMahon. The other side, it was for Jordan Wara. And got them both wide-open looks at, at key situations. And that's a shot that, I mean, you expect Ryan McMahon, uncontested three, when he's already seen the ball go through the hoop three different times, that's a shot that you feel like he makes 75% of the time. And Jordan Wara, I feel like that's a shot he makes 65% of the time. You live with those. I, I know that people get all upset about living and dying with the three. That's our biggest asset. We are not statistically a good two-point shooting team. If you have a wide-open three from two guys that shoot it at a better-than-40% clip and it's the game's biggest moment, you absolutely take that. And so... When those two shots didn't go, I think that's when everybody felt like it was just, uh, you know, it, it was Florida yeah. State's night. And look, they've won, what, 23 consecutive games in that place for a reason. It's a tough place to play. It's especially tough when they sell it out, which is really rare, but that was the case tonight. Yeah, and you could just feel when they missed those shots, the, the crowd even got more engaged, and, and Florida State just kept feeding off that energy. Um, but, yeah, I mean – it's it's tough when you play a half like we did in the first half, like which seemed like so flawless that you know they you kind of just fall for it and you believe that we're we're gonna pull this out and then yeah I mean it was just a combination of us you know I don't even want to say we were careless with the ball we 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 just weren't strong with the ball and um, Florida State just absolutely you know manhandling us from like a physical standpoint that's. I mean, pretty much kind of what the game came down to. And credit to Leonard Hamilton. He even talked about it, like, coming out of halftime. He's like, we didn't take advantage of the fact that they were small inside. And every, pretty much every possession in the second half, they were attacking Ryan when they could, even though half of them were offensive fouls that they didn't call. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and then the, the shots, that, like, some of the shots that were well defended, like, um, Vassell hit that like turnaround jumper like with Dwayne all over him. I was like, Jesus! I mean, if they're gonna hit these, like this is gonna be tough. And then it kind of just avalanched there at the end of them getting steals and having a dunk contest. But yeah, just just a tough one overall. Let the record show that. So I had my dad uh, on the radio show, R.I.P. Uh, to co-host back on his birthday in July. And dad, dad did what I thought he was going to do. The man, you know, look, he, he's like the old, um, the old Rick Pitino thing where you get to a certain age and you just stop giving a shit. You're, you're going to tell your stories. You're, you're going to let people know how you feel and you're going to let it rip, which was terrifying for me on the radio. Um, but in the first 30 minutes of that show, dad basically, he didn't imply, he outright stated 
that every UK fan is a racist and then called Leonard Hamilton the most despicable human being on earth. And <laughs> he backtracked a little bit in the second segment. He's like, I see, he's like, you know, I know some great Kentucky fans. I'm not going to say that. And he's like, yeah. and Leonard, you know, he's like, no, no, he's, yeah, I'm not taking it back. He's despicable. He's an awful human being. And for anybody who doesn't know, my dad actually followed when he, in his back in his newspaper days, the Courier Journal sponsored him and he wrote a book where he followed the Kentucky basketball team around for the entire season. I think it was 1982-83 when Joby Hall was the coach and Leonard Hamilton was an assistant. And my dad, not shockingly, has some stories about Leonard Hamilton that, uh, you know, when he was in his young and wild days in Lexington that uh, don't paint him in a particularly positive life. So, light. So my dad hates Leonard Hamilton, thinks he sucks as a coach. But ever since he's made these comments, Leonard Hamilton has suddenly become a savant who, I mean, I hate to say he kind of owns Chris Mack because – that's going to be the narrative after this game. He's beaten them three times, all three times at FSU, and he knocked them out of the NCAA tournament when they were the number one seed. That narrative kind of glosses over the fact that the year before uh, Mac got knocked out as a one seed, he destroyed Leonard Hamilton 91-66 in the second round of the tournament when Xavier was an 11 seed and Florida State was a three. But certainly these last four games have been bad. So I guess what, what do we blame this loss more on? Is it my dad calling out Leonard Hamilton? Is it the Bill Murray curse where he comes to every game and we seem to lose? I think we've won one that he's been in the last two years. Or is it, and a lot of people pointed this out, I didn't realize I didn't do it. I didn't cut you off on the go-cards in the last podcast. I thought I nailed it. I didn't nail it. Which of those three, three things is why we lost this game tonight? I'm going to eliminate Glenn because Glenn can do no wrong in my eyes. So it has nothing to do with Glenn. It's probably a combination of the second two. Bill Bill Murray needs to just pick a, a home Boston College game and come to Louisville. I yes. mean, like, pick your spots here, Bill. I, you know, uh, we, uh, yeah, I mean. Here's the I thing about the Bill Murray thing, though, that that worries me is if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't come to, like, the Virginia Tech game next week, he comes to every postseason game. Like, he went to every single conference tournament game at Xavier. He went to every single NCAA tournament game at Xavier. He was there for all those games uh, last year. So if we don't get this this mojo reversed, because having Bill Murray as a Louisville fan is one of the coolest things on earth, and it's become a little bit less cool that every time he shows up, we get our shit kicked in. Like we need to, like this, this needs to happen. He needs to be there for Senior Day. He needs to come say goodbye to Dwayne. He needs to come say goodbye to Ryan. And we need to get a win under our belt this season with Bill Murray in attendance, because I can't, I, I can't live with blaming anything on Bill Murray. But that's if we get upset in the first round of the tournament and he's there, then it's gonna be hard not to. Yeah, I mean, I would say, like, we should start a GoFundMe page, but I think Bill's probably, you know, he can probably get where he wants. He's doing um, okay. I, I, the, yeah, the, the cutting me off for the go-cards, yeah. I mean, we, we obviously try to do it timing-wise, but it's 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 got to – we got to really sharpen up here come March or else we're fucked. I'm more amazed by the fact that, like, with me not being able to do it when I'm actively trying to, I'm more amazed that we did it unintentionally so many times because – I was I was never trying to. I couldn't figure out if you were done talking, and I would always wait a couple of seconds. And then, I mean, without fail, in our first like 15 episodes, I kept doing it. And now that I'm trying, I try to I I hover over the stop recording button. I wait till I hear the first sound of your voice, and I hit it. And apparently, I can't do it. So I'm just kind of blown away that I keep fucking this up. But my biggest, because I I think the 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 big question coming out of this game is. Is this just a Louisville versus Florida State thing? Like, are they just that bad of a matchup? They're obviously a great team, but is it uh, amplified by the fact that they we we just don't match up well with them? Or is this more concerning? You know, were, were the two wins last week kind of fool's gold? Those two teams suck. Syracuse, 
uh, is a good matchup for us. North Carolina is obviously shorthanded and, and terrible. Like, are we more the team that we saw lose to Georgia Tech and Clemson now, or are we more just a, a good team that had a bad matchup there? And I think that the only thing that really, really concerns me about this game, it's not, you know, the lack of toughness or the lack of leader, the point guard problems or anything like that. This team continues to really struggle with adversity, in-game adversity. When one thing goes badly, this team has a tendency of, of letting it snowball into seven or eight bad things. And, and you see it like they just they can have the perfect game plan. They can play 25 great minutes. But when you get Florida State ampling up the pressure and we turn the ball over a couple times and they hit a couple tough shots, like all of a sudden Jordan Wara thinks that's his cue to go one on three or Ryan McMahon even loses his mind and throws a, a bad, unnecessary long pass to Fresh Kimball or Fresh tries to go one on one. Like I, I'm not trying to pick on anybody in particular. I'm just saying everybody seems to just kind of let this thing avalanche on them. And then all of a sudden you look up and uh, a 12 point lead is a three point deficit. And I think that that was the most impressive thing about Florida State's first half was we were throwing haymakers. We were doing whatever we wanted to. They weren't ready for the smaller lineup, and they still managed to stay within striking distance the entire time. They kept punching back, and they waited to get their energy back and start throwing some haymakers in the second half. And when that happened, we couldn't punch back at all. Like that That's my most concerning thing, big picture here, as we look towards the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at big picture and thinking, okay, are we still a team capable of getting to Atlanta? And I think we are, but with the caveat that we need to have the right matchups. Sure. Um, the, the teams that have beaten us this year, and I've talked about this on previous pods, if you have athletic guards that can push us out beyond the three-point line, we really struggle running our offense. And we've seen it with Kentucky. You know, They're not great defensively at the guard position, but they do have athletic guards. We've seen Texas Tech. Um, you know, and then the, the loss to, to Clemson and Georgia Tech, you know, they, they manhandled us defensively. Um, and then tonight. So uh, that's the one really worrisome thing I have is if we get matched up with a really athletic team, um, you know, how are we going to handle that? It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to, excuse me. Um, it's going to be a game where we're going to have to hit shots. Um, you know, got to make sure. Yeah, I know. I, you got to make shots. Yeah, got to make but shots. It, it's it's really what it comes down to. I mean, the, we rely so much. I feel like, you know, on the three point shot. If you're not shooting it and you're not making when you're open, it, it's going to be tough. So, um, the only other option we have, I feel like, when we don't, you know, have reliable three point looks, is Dave going to the basket. Um, it's been harder and harder to get Steve the ball in the posts when they're double teaming. Um, yeah, I just. That's that's my worrisome thing. I, th- I think we're good enough to get to Atlanta, but we need to have the right matchup. No, I totally agree. And there, there are Louisville teams in the past, and if you followed Cardinal basketball along, I'm sure you can rip off some, not just the ones that won the national title, but I will use like 2012-13 as an example. There was no team, like when I scouted the field, that I said, well, I don't want to run into them. I don't want to see them in the Elite Eight, or I hope they're not our two seed, or I hope they don't make it to the Final Four. I, I thought that that team was good enough to match up with anybody. Like That was just who they were. If they got beat, it was going to be because they played you know, a little bit subpar and whoever they were going up against played out of their minds. That, that was just how I felt. With this year's team, of course it's cable. South Carolina got to a Final Four a, a few, couple of years ago as a team that had zero offense going into the NCAA tournament and zero life as a seven seed. And 
a couple of things happened, a couple of things broke their way. They got to play Duke in South Carolina, and they wound up making a Final Four. So I think that Louisville absolutely is capable of making it to Atlanta, but I'm with you. They're probably going to need a favorable draw, and then a couple of those March breaks. Like maybe they're a two-seed, and they don't have to play the three in the, in the Sweet 16. The three-seed gets knocked out in, in the second round or something like that. Like they just, They're going to need a couple of breaks. That's, that's the way it's going to be, but I, I don't know. I mean... I'm torn on, because I've seen this debate too, do you want to play Florida State again in the ACC tournament? Like, Do you want that shot to, first of all, they, they were kind of dicks tonight, so we can talk about that in a second, but do you want that shot, or are you like, man, like, <laughs> we've played them twice, they've beaten us by a combined 28, we've taken two ass kickings, let's let's not hope for a third. Um, it, I, I wouldn't mind playing them again, just because, I mean, I know that I mean, we saw what happened in the first half. So, I mean, we know we're capable of going toe-to-toe with them. Um, we just have to put it together for a full 40 minutes. Now, you know, is there other teams I'd probably rather play instead of them? Yeah, but um, it would be nice to, you know, in the third game kind of get get your revenge after, you know, two ass-kickings from them. But, yeah, I, and sorry, I know I'm kind of going off, off script here. Let me ask you this. With Malik's injury, we don't know. I mean, Chris is kind of downplaying the severity of it. Sounds like the x-rays came back negative. Are you, Would you want to rest him these last two games since we already have the double bye pretty much wrapped up? Or are you wanting him to kind of get back into the flow of things and maybe, you know, sit him out for Virginia Tech and then play him at Virginia if he's even, you know, 75 to 80%? No, I want him to play. Um, I mean, and technically Louisville already has a double bye wrapped up. Like they will be, I think if they win one more game, they're going to be a top three seed. They're The worst they can do is four at this point. And Virginia is technically the only team that can catch them. And I think that would take like a miracle for that to happen. So um, if he can go, I want him to play. If he's at 80, I mean, he's got six days to rest up. And the good thing, it's kind of a weird, it's a funky end of season schedule. We had 48 hours between these two games. Now we get six days until the next game. And then six days after that until the regular season finale. So we're going to play two games in basically two weeks coming up here before the conference tournament. Um, so there's plenty of time for him to rest, plenty of time for him to get healthy between games. And if he's good enough to go and play, you know, maybe not his full workload, but play like 20 minutes, kind of like he did when he first came back from that minor uh, ankle injury a month ago or so, I'd be fine with him getting out there just to get his feet back underneath him. And look, like, like we need him for not just because of what he brings to the table. He's obviously one of the better defensive big men I, th- I think in the entire country and his offensive game was just now starting to hit its stride but he's I mean, he's kind of stepped up as the guy like he's the dude who gets in people's faces you saw him in the handshake line going after Trent Forrest like he wasn't <laughs> gonna let that happen and let's talk about that for a second because you've got you've got Ryan McMahon trying to fight the entire Florida State team because it looked like to me a walk-on like, like a no-name walk-on said some shit to him. He went after him. Then the other Florida State players got in, involved. And then at the end of the game, the FSU, the, the shaggy-haired, taller walk-on, blocks my man Keith Otto, talks shit to him there. I kind of – I hate the Florida State walk-ons collectively more than I hate any, any player in the ACC. Like, you mean the Vipers? The players. Green Vipers? Uh, Fuck that. I'm not but... calling – they don't deserve a nickname. They're <laughs> fucking bitches. Like, I, I cannot stand – the Florida State walk-ons made lifelong enemies out of me. And then Trent Forrest and Fresh Kimball got into it. And then Malik Williams gave him shit in the handshake line. And Forrest did the whole point to the scoreboard thing. Like, I, I would love to play those guys, first of all, because it would be testy. Second of all, it means you've advanced in the tournament. Like, like If you're going to go to the semifinals or the championship game, 
there's almost a, I mean, it's like a 98% shot. I feel like that you're going to have to go through Florida state. So why not at least take that shot? And also, I mean, Louisville's resume at this point, we're going to need a, a big win in the conference tournament. Probably if we want to get back up to that three line and, you know, potentially avoid a number one seed in the sweet 16. So I'm all for playing them again. If, if you're asking me would I choose Duke or Florida state, I'd, I'd choose Duke. I think they're a better matchup for us, but man, it, you're going to have to beat a team that has a that, that's a, a bad matchup for you in the NCAA tournament. Why not go ahead and get it out of the way in, in Greensboro? So, but basically, back to the the overall point, FSU, fuck them. They, they were kind of testy. I, I didn't like the shit talking tonight. Yeah, I mean, I I, I like that our guys kind of responded. Like, I mean, if a walk-on's going to talk shit to Ryan, like I'm totally okay with him saying something back. And, um, you know, I like that Malik uh, had something to say in the handshake line. Um, it was probably more of like a, we'll see you guys down the line, I'm guessing, but yeah, I mean, we, we need to play with an edge, um, you know, especially when we're going to go up against a team with those kind of athletes, we're going to have to carry ourselves, you know, with an edge as well, but yeah, I'm all for it. And I'm, I kind of agree with you. Uh, you know, I know I said it earlier, uh, I don't know if I want to play FSU, but if, like you said, the more I think about it, it's probably going to be deep in the ACC tournament. Um, it would be nice to get some revenge. So I, it would be a fun game. I know that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure they're a team that I'd want to see a fourth time in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, no, you, no. Keep, keep the, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the when we won it all in 2013, everybody was like, do you want Syracuse or Michigan? I was like, I, I don't want Syracuse again. Like three times was enough. And, they were taking it. They beat us on our home floor, and they were taking it to us uh, pretty well in the first half of the Big East title game, and then just kind of fell apart. So it, I'm fine with playing them a third time. Four, no, just stay away. That's we're we're cool. But the weird thing about this game, the weirdest thing to me is, I mean, we held FSU to 31 percent shooting from three. Like they didn't just go off from outside like they did the first time, but they still shot above 50 percent from the field against us. We just could not keep them out of the lane, and they were making like. We were doing all we could a, a lot of times, and I know that, look, should we, should we do it? Should we preface it? The calls were bad both ways, and, and officiating <laughs> never loses you a game, Dan. But now let me tell you why the calls 100% went awful against us and why they totally cost us the game. No, I mean, it, it, there was a stretch where the officiating was was annoying, and they kept calling like hand-check fouls on us where it didn't seem like hand-check fouls, and they let FSU get away with you know cleavering people on the other end. But the only call that I think really, really drove me nuts was the the, the dude walking four times, uh, yeah. Patrick Williams. And then that no call, the worst part of it wasn't that we didn't get the ball. It was that it got David Johnson his fourth foul. And he never really got back into a flow when he got in. And that was that was kind of the ball game right there. So officiating bad. Um, in all seriousness, it didn't cost us the game. Like we played like we went uh, nine minutes without a field goal during that stretch. We started turning the ball over a ton. In the last 15 minutes of the game, we had more turnovers. We had seven than we did made field goals. We had six. Like that was, we didn't help ourselves at all, and we didn't punch back. But I don't know. Uh, it was yeah. just a disappointing performance on a bunch the of se- levels. The second half, every Florida State possession either ended in a contested made jump shot, a trip to the free throw line, or like a dunk that like made the arena riot. I was like, good God, like yeah. it's, it's pretty much every time down this is happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, we definitely had some calls go against us. It seemed like, yeah, if we, 
every time Ryan got matched up on someone, you know, the guy would use their off arm to kind of create space. And then Ryan would get called for a ticky tack foul. It seemed like three or four possessions in the second half, but yeah, it's just one of those things that it just avalanched on us and we couldn't stop it. So it really sucked to watch. I think this FSU team is, is, like tournament good too. And I know that they've, I mean, they've been to this the second weekend, the last two years, they made a regional final. They went to the sweet 16. Like I'll be surprised if this is one of those Leonard Hamilton teams that, you know, is a, a top three, top four team in conference play, but then just kind of shits the bed in the second round of the tournament. Like, I think that they are, I, I think they're built for March. I think that's a really, really good team. It's not to excuse the way we played because we definitely didn't do ourselves any favor um, tonight or in the game on January 4th. But it's a really good team, and they've won yeah. that many games at home for a reason. Like I, I think that they're they're legit. I mean, what is F? You know this better than me. What is Florida State's basketball recruiting rankings? Because I mean, they have some fucking athletic dudes. That that uh, Patrick Williams, that breakaway dunk. I was like, is this guy the like second string running back for Florida State? I mean, that was unbelievable. He just fucking rumbled down there and absolutely cram but they got some dudes on that team for sure the weird thing though is they've kind of they've done the same thing that baylor did they had that stretch where they were getting the one and dones they had uh, you know jonathan isaac they had malik beasley they had um Dwayne bacon they had xavier rattan mays who i know stayed three years but they were they were getting like the five-star kids and the last few years they've gone more to the you know good recruits but not top 20 recruits they've gone with guys that are going to be around for a couple of years like all i know patrick williams has has popped up in some mock drafts. I'll be shocked if he doesn't come back for one more year and he's going to be really, really good. But they like, they're living with guys like Trent Forrest that stick around for three or four years or, or guys like, um, like MJ Walker, who's probably going to be a three or four year player. And, and Devin, Devin Vassell, Devin Vassell will probably go pro this year, but he yeah, wasn't, he's, a, a, he's fantastic. He wasn't like a big time recruit either. It's working for Leonard Hamilton though. Like they're getting these types of guys and they're, they, I think that's the key right now to success in college basketball is, Getting a couple of five-star players is obviously it's always going to be good, but you really need those like twenty-five to fifty range players in every recruiting class. Like those are the guys that are going to become productive players when they're sophomores and juniors. And I think those really good sophomores and juniors that were four-star prospects once upon a time give you more at this level than like the number seven player who's a one and done. It just seems to be the case, and, and that's the way that the best teams in the last few years have been built. So, props to Leonard Hamilton, man. He's he's getting it done one way or the All other. Right. <laughs> Can we give like some positive shouts for the game? I want to yeah, give a, a first half positive shout to Samuel Williamson. I thought yeah. he played his ass off. Like that was the best half I've seen him play. Um, got to the rim, on the floor, played good defense. Um, that was really good to see. I hope he can carry that going forward. Um, he got a loose then, ball. You called him out for never getting a loose ball. A I, I know. God, yeah, that was great. And it led to a layup for him. So um props to him so yeah that's that's uh i guess that was one of the bright bright spots for us he was great fresh was also great the first half and i yeah blame the second half struggles on him he was doing what he could it just seemed like like guys weren't getting open for him he was having to create a little bit too much but those first you know 15 minutes or so they were giving him the mid-range jumper and he was like okay i'm just gonna knock it down he was terrific and then kind of came back down to earth a little bit i'm also I mean, I don't know if anybody in America is playing with less confidence right now than Darius Perry. And I, yeah. I mean, he's, it's gotten to the point where he's kind of, it feels like he's almost unplayable, especially in crucial situations. He came in and looked just, just lost. I mean, he comes right in, chucks like an 18 footer, 
two seconds into a possession, you're like, what, what in the world is he doing? I don't know, man. And if he's not going to give you anything defensively, then there's really no point in getting him, giving him minutes over Ryan McMahon. I know you and I, you texted this to me earlier, and I could not agree more. Like, he was out there getting beat off the bounce every bit as badly as, as Ryan was. I thought Ryan actually played a pretty good game on defense. And if he's not going to counteract that, if he's not going to counteract his lack of offense with some really, really good intense D, then you know, what's he doing out there? So definitely concerned about Darius moving forward, even though he played, he played a pretty good game um, against, uh, against Carolina on Saturday when he was out there. He played, I thought he played pretty well. But we got some guys that are lacking in confidence right now, and that's got to get turned around these last two regular season games. So I guess uh, parting thoughts here. Do you have, like, like how significantly does it, because you picked Florida State to win this game, but we both thought it was going to be close. Like, how significantly does this dampen your confidence level as we look towards the last uh, last week and a half here of the regular season? The loss doesn't really dampen it as much as I'm, I'm more worried about Malik's ankle and him not being 100%. Like I said, I, I, I hate this matchup for us. Um, I thought we played one really good half. And then one really bad half combined with like, you know, Florida State going crazy. So I'm not going to like absolutely be like, shit, you know, season's over. Um, but it has made me kind of open my eyes more. Let's say, OK, you know, we're, we're going to really have to keep an eye on our matchups, um, you know, and, and kind of hope for the best when it comes to March. But um, and one last thing for anyone like and I. I'm so this guy. I sound like a dad right now, but like when I get on Twitter and see people like calling the players like bums or like, yeah. I'm like, dude, just get that shit out of here. Like, you're not even a fan if you do that. Like, you're sitting on your ass and why these guys are like being dogged up and down the court by like future NBA players. Like, I can't stand that shit, but that was my little rant. But, anyways, that's, no, that's I mean, where I, I am. And I've never understood it because. I get that we're all frustrated. I get that we have outlets. I mean, you may have like, – everybody has thoughts when a guy plays bad. You, you get frustrated. You yell when you're inside your living room. But I've never understood the logic behind tweeting them directly and just saying, hey, man, you fucking suck. Like, like, what do you think that's going to do? Like, If you're doing this, if you're, ups- if you're this upset, I assume you're a Louisville fan who cares a great deal about this. Do you think this is the best course of action to improving that kid's level of play and getting your team back in the win column? Do you think that, uh, you know, Dwayne Sutton's going to look at this tweet from you and say, man, yeah, I, I was I was ready to pack it in. But at go cards two twenty four seven said I fucking suck and I'm a bum. Now it's time for me to turn it on. Like, that's my motive. Like, no, like it's not the way that it works. I just I've, I've never understood it. People are at their worst after losses all the time. It just becomes. Uh, it's just a, a cesspool of bad opinions and bad decisions, but it, it's, you know, it, it's, I, like, I, I always think that, I'm like, I'm always like, God, is this just Kentucky fans making like burner after burner after burner account doing this? Cause like, I'm like, there's no way our fans are like, you know, stooping this low to like go after the players sometimes, but then, you know, it's, it's 2020 and that's kind of the world we live in, I guess. Yeah. My one concerned about this because like you said I mean it's a really good team they've been unbeatable at home so far this year there's no shame in just losing this game but I think my one big concern outside of the way it went down in the second half is the psyche of this team because it was pretty obvious they put a lot into this game I think that they like everybody who was in Tallahassee said they were super amped up during warm-ups they were doing a bunch of shouting they were doing a bunch of just like like Andy Kettler got in there and did a mosh pit thing and it was really obvious like after Saturday 
that they had circled this one, and they were really trying to measure themselves and say, we lost by 13 in January to these guys. Let's see how far we've come. And to put all that energy and focus into this game and then lose by 15, yeah, I, it's, it's going to be a tough blow for them to stomach. I think the good thing is they've got six days to regroup. You know, Once you get to Thursday and you've had a few practices under your belt and you've started really looking at film on Virginia Tech, I think then you turn the page and it, it becomes less of a memory. But for these next couple of days, uh, I definitely am concerned about where these guys are mentally because there's no way around it. I mean, they got, they got their ass kicked for the last 15 minutes tonight. But, hey, still more basketball to be played. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. We got rest up, um, get healthy and, and, you know, come out for senior day. And I hope the fans come out to, you know, support the seniors. Yeah. I mean, it's, these are, we're going to say goodbye to what, four guys that have meant a, a pretty great deal to the program. Some have been here longer than others, but I mean, it's Dwayne Sutton, it's Ryan McMahon, it's, uh, it's, it's Stephen Enoch, Fresh Kimball. I mean, these are guys that have given a significant amount to this program. It should be a really, really good atmosphere and it should be a, a feel good day. And, Virginia Tech's not playing well right now at all. It should be. It's a, they're a perfect team for Louisville to get right against, and they should be able to take care of business, and then we'll get focused on what should be a, a really important game uh, two Saturdays from now in Charlottesville. So, again, sucks tonight. It's going to suck tomorrow. Everybody's going to have terrible opinions. We're all going to fire them off together. We're all going to commiserate, and then hopefully we can regroup and, and get this thing back on track on Sunday. Uh, we do have some uh, – I'm going to do some interesting stuff the rest of this week since there isn't another game to talk about until Sunday on the men's side. Uh, we'll have some different topics, uh, some different focuses on podcast episodes this week. So hopefully you check those out. In the meantime, please give us a subscribe on your podcast app of choice if you haven't just yet. And if you can rate and review, we'd appreciate that as well. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We will talk to you guys soon. Until then, let's go Cards. Go Cards.